The Athletic. Welcome to this special edition of Straight Outta Cobham, where we look ahead to the Champions League final between Chelsea and Manchester City in Porto this weekend. Who should start? Where will the game be won and lost? Can Tuchel outwit Guardiola again? These questions and more discussed, debated and dissected in the company of the men in the know as regards Chelsea FC. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Hello, listener. I hope you're keeping the nerves in check as we get ever closer towards Saturday's showpiece, an all-English affair between Chelsea and Manchester City at the Estadio do Dragao as Chelsea look to emulate the class of 2012 by lifting the trophy with the big ears for the second time. I'm Juan Mata Davis-Adams, joined as usual by the Athletics' Chelsea expert. Salomon Simon-Johnson is here. <laughs> I'll just stuck it in the top corner. Hello. <laughs> so too Didier Dominic Fifield. Oh, good grief. Really? Mm-hmm. OK, I'll take that. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, you think that's bad. Uh, this is even more <laughs> of a stretch. Yeah. David Louiam to me. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you can't spell 2021 without all of the numbers needed for 2012. Sure, that's true. Yeah. Um, Liam, as we heard in Monday's pod, you're bound for Porto. How's it worked in terms of preparation? Presumably there's been lots of COVID-related hoops for you, for you to jump through. Yeah, I'm going to need to create like a, a dossier of documents to get into the country um, that I've been sent over the last couple of days. Thankfully, Hannah, our admin person, is incredibly organised and uh, and has helped me a lot already. And yeah, it all seems to be in order apart from, you know, the PCR testing, which is a constant source of stress with flights these days. But as long as that all comes through, I will be flying out to Porto on Friday afternoon, flying back Sunday afternoon. Perhaps with the Champions League trophy in tow, not literally, obviously. <laughs> I, I've, I'm only travelling hand luggage. I once flew back with the Champions League trophy actually in tow. I was handed it on the flight back from Istanbul. When was this? Istanbul, 2005, with Liverpool. I've got a photograph of me holding big ears. It's dreadful. I don't know why I brought this up now, but um, but yeah, that's my proudest moment ever. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with me. Hopefully you can feel the jealousy coming off the Zoom screen from me and Simon here, who are not well, going on Saturday and have never touched the Champions League oh, trophy. Oh, hey, don't speak too soon. Oh. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I pose. It's heavy, isn't it, Dom? Yeah. Let's rub it in, Matt, uh, for Matt a bit more. It's really heavy. I felt like I, I should have had like a... Well, I should have a gym workout anyway, but I felt like I should have had a gym workout beforehand to prep for it. Uh, yeah, I, I held it um, shortly after Chelsea won it in T12 at uh, at Stamford Bridge because it was, yeah, I think we had like some kind of post debrief. Chelsea were in very generous mood and they brought the trophy along. And um, yeah, as I said, I think I had a slightly, slightly bit more muscle after holding it. The U- UEFA Cup or Europa League trophy was heavier, I thought. That was the following was year, it? wasn't it? Yeah. I, I didn't get to hold that one. That came down the back of the plane where the, the press were shoved on the official trip back from... Where did that final take place? Amsterdam, wasn't it? Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Happy days. Hopefully somebody gets to enjoy that on... Uh, It'll be Matt's night. turn. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never even held the Zenith Data Systems trophy. Oh, so now true. there's a trophy. Now we're talking. <laughs> Love it. Surely I'm due. 
<laughs> Simon, here's a tweet from Charlie that I'm going to put for you. Uh, Charlie simply says, I just need somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. Uh, you're the optimist <laughs> amongst the bunch. Please help, Charlie. <laughs> You've asked me. It's all going to be okay, Charlie. Is that is that all you need to hear from me? That's it. I'll just say it's all going to be okay. <laughs> Look, um, yeah, let, let, let's be positive. Um, <laughs> Even when you say that, you don't sound positive. <laughs> Oh, I think look, Chelsea have got a great chance. I think I think in a in a weird kind of way, um the build up's been perfect for them. I know people say three defeats in four, etc. But in a way that's been perfect for them because everyone is saying it's Manchester City's trophy to lose, essentially. It's it's Pep Guardiola, the best team that since sliced bread. No one's really talking about about Chelsea that much. I don't think I'm getting that vibe that it's, it's just it's just all over before it's even started, and and as um, the piece that I've that came up that we put up on the site on on Thursday morning, um, I interviewed Eddie Newton, the assistant coach, assistant coach of, of from 2012 success, and he said it's exactly the same that that the feeling is exactly the same. He talks about how he was on the when he walked onto the coach, the steely determined. There was just pure silence. And he felt the steely determination, we're going to prove everyone wrong, that Bayern Munich felt they just had to turn up to pick up the trophy. Everything was against them, injuries, etc., etc. And he's going, I, I'm feeling the same now. Um, and he talks about, he talks about that as per the Quaitan Rudiger, he said, these are two guys that are just going to be, this is going to be fuel to them, that everyone's writing Chelsea off, that this is, it's going to provide that extra, not that you really need to get fired up for a final saying, but, it just gives you that extra motivation. Chelsea are a good side. Are they as good as Man City? I think we can clearly say no, given who won the title. But on their day, they can be a very, very good side. And Tuchel's got them well organised. I just think, as Newton said, the first goal is vital. And if Chelsea get it, they're going to be very tough to break down. But of course, Simon, you say everything was against Chelsea in, in 2012. But all the UEFA livery and all the colours and merchandising was blue, as as Petr Cech noticed in the build-up whereas in Moscow it was all red so when I touch down in Portugal I will report back as to what colours UEFA are using because I feel like this could be decisive surely the dragon will have be more blue, blue. Yeah. yeah I was going to say Porto is going to be quite but blue what shade it? what shade of blue yeah I think it's quite a dark blue isn't it quick Google more updates on this as we get it. Follow Liam's Twitter feed for that. Uh, later on, we're going to get the City perspective from David Mooney, but uh, let's see how Chelsea's preparations are going. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
So I think the first thing we should update people on is the injury status of Edouard Mendy and N'Golo Conte. Uh, Liam, the club released pictures of Chelsea training yesterday and they were both involved, so, so that's a positive sign. Yeah, I don't think Chelsea are going to be too keen to disclose the exact level of their participation. That's the advantage of still pictures. Um, <laughs> you, you can show they're there and not much more than that. But um, based on everything Tuchel has said... Chelsea seem quite confident that that both of them will be good to go for that game and you know I think they're they're both important obviously but I think Kante's absolutely vital and they didn't play him on the final day of the Premier League season I'm convinced to to give him the best possible chance for this game so I I think Chelsea will he'll be on the pitch for Chelsea and I think he'll be close enough to ready to to be able to give something like his normal self in that game yeah, he managed all right half fit in the Europa League final, didn't he, in 2019? And I guess with, with Mendy as well, if it's ribs, they're just still going to hurt, but he probably won't hurt them anymore, so he should be all right. Speaking of hurt... he He's got other ribs, it's fine. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of hurt, hurtfully described as the straight out of Cobham dream team in the piece published on The Athletic <laughs> earlier this week. Um, me and producer Lucy really felt the sting of that one. The chaps debated who should start, <laughs> where and when. Uh, we won't go through the whole team, although interestingly, your three selection was exactly the same as the one that I'd cooked up. Is that interesting? Probably not. Uh, a couple of positions I did want to, to debate, though. You guys chatted about the, the Reese James to, to right centre-back experiment and, and whether that's, that's run its course. The logic behind that, Dom, I suppose, is that you miss James's crossing ability if he's if he's playing centre back. But also, he absolutely destroyed Benjamin Mendy at the Etihad a few weeks ago. Now, I guess it might be Zinchenko rather than Mendy, but but surely you've got to put James in what is his best position, particularly given that you know Aspilicueta wasn't particularly quick five years ago, and and certainly at Villa it felt like he he maybe seen the best of his days in that right wing back role. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there is there is an argument that when City play with those slippery, fluid front three, that having a centre back with some pace like James has got um, might be an asset, I guess. But it does detract from what Chelsea will offer, and and there is much to be said about a player that can carry the ball upfield and away from your own penalty area at at pace and and get it away from from your box basically and. Reese James playing as a right wing back would would certainly do that. It's no coincidence, I don't think, that in the two games against City under Tuchel, he's played right wing back both times and and done well. Um, so, I think we'll, we will see Aspilicueta slotting in again on the right side of the of the back three, and hopefully James gets to stretch his legs and offer a threat. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to be flinging a load of crosses into the box, um, you know, hoping that a Kai Havertz or a team of Werner can get on the end of them with their heads, but but his interplay and, and, and the threat that he poses going forward will be an asset um, if he's playing on that berth. Centre mid, Simon, seems like the most troublesome position for, for Thomas Tuchel to, to decide on at the moment. If we if we say you're going to put Kante in there regardless, it's a big risk to therefore put a semi-fit Kovacic next to him, but you've got a bang out of form Jorginho or a wild card choice of Billy Gilmore. Of course, did really well at the Etihad the other week, but, but against a, a different Manchester City team. It's probably going to be Jorginho and Kante, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it I think it has to be for, for the reasons you highlighted that Kovacic He's short of football over the last month, and and his couple of appearances, he's looked he's looked off the pace, and and with Conte 
sort of question marks over um, how 100% he is. You, you don't want two question marks in, in two key positions. Um, and Jorginho, look, he, he's had some ropey performances, but he's also had some good ones. So Chelsea will be hoping that that pairing, which which has played in some of the big games in the run-in, works just one more time. And, and Jorginho, when he is on it, you know, he, I, I'm not his biggest fan, but he does bring that sort of element of calmness in the way he can play keep ball. It's just the worry is is when he gives it away in 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 the in his own third. That's that's something that Man City will be home to exploit if they can get on top of him and press him. Yeah, be harsh on Mateo Kovacic. He's been part of three Champions League winning squads for Real Madrid and, and hasn't got on the pitch in, in any of those finals. Front three wise, Liam, it's it's Mount Havertz and, and Werner, isn't it? And and that's almost as much because others have kind of played their way out of it as, as much as those three have cemented the place. Well, that's what I think it should be. Um, since we've done the piece and I've been thinking about it, I, I'm not so sure Tuchel will start Havertz. I think given the way he's played Man City previously, he might be more inclined to play Werner as the nine with either Pulisic or Ziyech in that front three just to have as much speed as possible to exploit City's high defence. But I, I do think that's that's what it should be. I think it should be Havertz as, as the focal point dropping deep able to ask different questions of Ruben Diaz, John Stones, Imeric Laporte, depending on which two of those three starts, and allowing Werner to, to still stretch the game vertically while while he and Mount kind of knit things together between the lines. I, I just think that's the, the best balance. And as you say, it's probably the best choice on recent form. I do think that the ZH argument is shouldn't be underestimated, though, because he has impressed him in those, in those two matches against City specifically. Um, and I just something sort of nagging away at me. I just, I just we, we we mentioned in that piece he he is a potentially a big game player. He is somebody that will impress on the biggest stage. And I just have a f- suspicion that this might be his moment. I don't know. It's it's. I mean, I look. I hope it is. But I just I just I just wonder whether him supplying a, a Werner and Werner stretching City with his pace might open up a bit. More space for ZH to to operate in and to and to flourish in. So one one to watch. I just yeah, just sort of nagging down now. Let's get to some questions that have come in from Twitter. Here's somebody else called Matt who asks: Should Chelsea try and control the game, or would it be wiser to sit back and counter as done at home versus Atletico? Simon, it's one thing trying to control a game against City, but it's quite a difficult thing to do in practice. Yeah, but I think I think Chelsea's shown in the games against Man City of late that they they can control the game. It's not like when when they beat them that they just sat back and and City had you know dominated them for long periods. Yes, they had spells in the games, but Chelsea had spells in the game as well, and they have the ability to 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 keep to play keep ball. I, I don't think Chelsea would be a shrinking violet. This is not going to be two thousand twelve. Where it's it's just a rearguard action and trying to nick something at the other end. I think I think Chelsea are, are a better team than that. Not saying that they're better than the 2012 team. I hasten to add, um, but just that the, the the way they play, it, it's not it's not sort of um, yeah, it's not going to be complete sort of all all. It's not going to be a Villarreal uh, against Man United. Uh, topical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and but who knows? It might it might be a, a penalties job. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that actually happens. Uh, Man City, 
I think, as I said at the start, I think the pressure's all on them to try and impose their game on them. On Chelsea, they haven't really played well against Chelsea uh, since Tuchel took over. Of course, they dominated Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, but now we're going to see the very best Man City team. Can they do better than the last two? A kind of related note, Royal Blue wants to know, other than team selection, do you feel Tuchel should do anything different than the tried and tested methods that got him success in the recent past against Manchester City other than counter-pressing and formation? Liam, it would be strange if they changed the approach now, wouldn't it, even though the form's not been not been great in recent weeks? Yeah, well, we're only a couple of weeks removed from Tuchel saying that finals weren't the time to try tactical tricks. Um, before dramatically swapping Reese James and Cesar Azpilicueta uh, to nullify Jamie Vardy. So maybe we can't take everything Tuchel says this week at face value, but um, I would be surprised if there are any major tactical departures. Uh, he, he's built this Chelsea revival on a very, I wouldn't say rigid, but ve- but very sort of um, organised tactical structure and very well-drilled tactical structure, both with the ball and without the ball. Um and I think any any sort of significant tactical tweaks you make now would risk moving away from that and undoing what has got Chelsea here. So I think I think they'll try and do what they've done against City the last two times. They'll try and control the game. They'll try and draw City onto them, use their press against them, and 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 play those quick passes to try and release Werner and kind of play from there. And I I don't see any reason to expect anything other than a close game and. Even if Chelsea are underdogs, in a close game, anything can happen. Now, as we know, Chelsea's previous two Champions League final appearances have both gone the distance. With that in mind, here's Mark asking, if the match goes to penalties, which players will be named as the five to take them? And could a Jorginho Penenka win the match? Um, I've got my five. Let's see what you think. If somebody, anybody who wants to chip in with it with an alternative or shoot me down, please feel free. I'm going Azpilicueta, Jorginho, Werner, Mount and Havertz. Any advance on those five names? Reese James, maybe? You can thump a ball. I was going to say, I hope no one does chip in. <laughs> um, I think Ziyech will be on the pitch by then, so he'll take one. Yeah, I mean, they've got... I, I did this in a piece earlier this season. They've got plenty of players that take penalties either for previous clubs or for their countries. The fascinating one is whether Werner is in that list. And mm. Has drama. scored Champions League penalties this season, hasn't he? he? Can't be offside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the drama, you know, you can just imagine him stepping up, what would be going through his head. But we know Jorginho will take one. I think Havertz will take one if he's on the pitch or Ziyech. Um, Pulisic takes them for for the US. Um, so imagine he, he'll be there. Mount will want to step up. I know he missed the one against Spurs earlier this season, but he's generally been pretty good in those situations. So they, they're not short of candidates, which is encouraging, but I think you, you'd be hoping the game doesn't get to that. How about this for a left-field sub, though? Kepper for Mendy, because in terms of shootout uh, records, and just penalty records, Mendy's record, good goalkeeper, terrible at penalties. I think he's only saved a couple in his whole career. <laughs> Whereas Kepa, the one thing you can sort of say about him and his Chelsea career, he has starred in a few shootout wins. Um, I think Tottenham being one, uh, if memory says you're right, in the League Cup. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt um, in the Europa League semi-final. So, yeah, could this be a, a sort of a left field being a bit mischievous here? And, of course, we all remember the penalty shootout that Kepa 
insisted he play a part in in the in the League Cup final against Man City. Maybe it'd be um, you know, second time lucky. Dom, do you think there's any chance that Thomas Tuchel would be influenced in any way by what happened in the Europa League final? Because all, all the talk on Twitter before that went to penalties was David Dea hasn't saved any of the last 25 penalties that he's faced and could they have made that substitution? So does that make it a bit more likely? And the other thing I found interesting was that United didn't choose to go first in the shootout and statistically apparently that that means you, your odds drop from 50 50 to, to 40 60 against to actually win the shootout is that the kind of thing that Tuchel will be aware of or is it just too random to, to take that into consideration from the days when I remember when the one of the I can't remember which cup final it was I'm sure Chelsea were involved though didn't didn't Petr Cech have all the penalty takers written on an iPod do you remember iPods pre-iPads. Yeah, Ben and Foster did the same as well, didn't he? And then Jordan Pickford had them on the water bottle in, in 2018. <laughs> I don't think you can say anything is too um, pernickety on stuff like this. The level of preparation is is extensive, not least because a lot of these guys have so much time on their hands, particularly on match day, actually. <laughs> Looking back to to Moscow um, in t- 2008, that, that was a 10.45pm kickoff. And the players just had nothing to do during that day. I mean, I was doing a piece on that this week and Wayne Rooney apparently hung around the team hotel, the Manchester team hotel that day, watching Sister Act 2 on his laptop, uh, you know, revelling in Whoopi Goldberg as opposed to <laughs> whether John Terry was putting in decent tackles and in games against them. So I think I think it, it wouldn't be a surprise if, if that type of stuff has cropped up, has been analysed. I wouldn't say that it would be um, hinge of, at all on the... Events in the Europa League final in Gdansk. I, I think, I think this stuff type of stuff has probably been thought about a long time. They probably well prepared and advanced. Um, they will know about City's penalty takers already. They'll the goalkeepers will be learning about them. That and that's probably all three goalkeepers to be honest, because you never know the scenario. And on the ends, yeah, I can see that coming through. But that may be a whim of the captain on the night. You know, on the on the coin toss, so we'll see. But I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that level of preparation is there. I don't know how many people know this story, but Chelsea's first Champions League final appearance in Moscow was marked by exhaustive preparation for what the eventual penalty shootout that that transpired. They they'd done a lot of research on Edwin Van der Sar's tendencies and figured out that he tended to dive. Um, in the direction of penalty takers hitting across themselves. So left-footed takers hitting to the keeper's left, right-footed takers hitting to the keeper's right. And they instructed all of the Chelsea penalty takers to hit to the opposite side. Um, And if you watch that penalty shootout back, which I'm convinced no supporter has ever done, (laughs) you'll you'll see that all of the Chelsea takers stick to that plan and they all send van der Sar the wrong way in the first five takers, including Terry who is yeah. an inch away from scoring if he doesn't slip. So the plan almost worked perfectly. and then, But van der Sar started to figure it out. And by the time Anelka steps up, you can see on the footage, he actually points at the direction he knows Anelka's supposed to go. It freaks Anelka out. He, he decides to go the other way and van der Sar saves it. And I don't think we should also forget that um, Willy Caballero, mm. he, he may not get on the pitch but he's going to know quite a lot of the City players and their preferred sides. So you can imagine Mendy in particular, because well, I was kind of tongue-in-cheek about Kev coming on. can't see it happening. But you can imagine he's going to be telling telling the guys, and they'll probably be asking him, you know, oh, 
what does Kevin De Bruyne do when he when he takes a penalty, etc. So I think that that insight can't be underestimated. The level of analysis these days, though, is remarkable, isn't it? I mean, they will be, they will each have their own, I don't know, email dossiers of of, yeah. of every, every, everything about their opponent, their direct opponent, and for the goalkeepers, that will be on the penalties as well. It's it's astonishing the the level of detail they go into. Well, if it does go all the way, two things I want to see. Somebody's got to David Luiz it because that was just amazing. And um, also Sergio Aguero to try a Penenka would, um, would probably be quite, quite helpful for Chelsea's cause. Well, joining us now to offer the Manchester City perspective from the Athletics Why Always Us podcast, it's David Mooney. Um, David, it is City's first final. How's the build-up been for them? Is it is it footloose and fancy-free, or, or weighed down by the burden of expectation? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about the club itself. I'm nervous as hell, though. Uh, so I don't know. I, like, I, don't, I don't know what that says about us as, as fans. Um, I think judging by judging from the outside. Um, Obviously, Guardiola and Gundogan gave their press conference on uh, Monday. Uh, they they seem remarkably laid back for uh, what is ultimately the biggest game of the season now. So I don't know. It feels it feels from the outside looking in, it feels like the the, the situation at City is quite uh, calm, quite comfortable, and you know they're they're almost at peace with what happens. They know what they need to do. If you know if if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then. You know, it's it's not like they've. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to be this this situation where they've you know made a massive mistake. They, I I suspect you know even even you guys having having seen limited amount of City this season will will be able to predict what side Guardiola is going to play. I don't think it will be a, a shock to anybody. Um, so it's just it, it just basically comes down to factors on the night whether whether they can do it on the night or whether it's Chelsea that that, that are the ones that do it instead. So I, I think they're kind of at peace with everything and, and and quite relaxed going into it. You mentioned Gundogan there. Is he the only the only injury doubt? Is it fully fit squad other than that? And how likely is he to play? Uh, I think Gundogan will play. Uh, he said himself in that press conference on Monday that he's fit. Um, he went off against Brighton as a precaution and then uh, didn't play any minutes whatsoever. But he, but he said himself he played in every training session um, in the in the in the time since. Uh, so he's fit. I think I think the lineup it basically picks itself. The only question marks are whether Rodri plays over Fernandinho because that's been a little bit of a, a a swap around in the last few weeks and whether Cancelo plays over over Zinchenko because um as good as Cancelo's been this season uh, he's had a rather untimely drop of form in the in the kind of last few weeks of the season uh kind of round about midway point of that uh, of that first PSG tie um was the point at which he he, he went off and uh, as as kind of been Dropped behind Zinchenko since then for the key games, so I, I, that, they're the only two question marks. Everybody else, I, I mean, is is kind of as you would expect. David Tuchel is the only coach to have beaten Pep and City twice this season. Is there any sense that he's got the Indian sign over Pep? There's, I know the fans are worried about that. Um, I think what what Guardiola. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult situation because what what City have done this season that they that they haven't done in other seasons is uh, it's almost like there's been an A and a B team except uh, City's B team is is still pretty good 
it's just been the players that have been out of form that have been in the B team rather than the players that are not quite as good. So you have like, for instance, Raheem Sterling's had quite a disappointing season, I think. Um, he's he's He was good in the first half of the season. The second half of the season, he's, he's really dropped off and he's been in that second sort of 11. But I wouldn't by any stretch of the imagination say that he's a bad player. And now we're in this situation where he had, for the title running, because the because the title was was pretty much sewn up because of uh, of the distance that they put between themselves and United, he was able to use the leeway in the in the Premier League to um to, to dominate in the Champions League in those in those games where he he previously used the leeway of having a first leg and ended up getting knocked out. So what what ended up happening was this second sort of eleven was playing the Premier League games, the uh, first eleven uh, so called would play in the in the Champions League games. Um, and you would see a very different City performance. And it just so happens that the two Chelsea games, uh, I was I was actually a little bit annoyed with him for uh, the selection he picked in the in the FA Cup semi-final because you know there's an opportunity there to make another cup final, and the the team selection basically said we need to concentrate on PSG and the uh, and the and the League Cup final coming up. And I thought he could have. I thought he could have done a little bit more of a balancing act and played a little bit more of a mixture of the two sorts of sides. And so that first game was a City side that was packed full of good players, but was a little bit disjointed and weren't playing well together. And I'm not going to sit here and say that City were unlucky to lose the the, the, the semi final. I thought Chelsea were much the better side and and, and deserved the win. Uh, the league game. Same sort of thing. I think the little bit of a factor in the league game was Guardiola had said that he didn't want his first eleven, so to speak, uh, to go out there, play Chelsea and uh, beat them and then end up in a situation where they expect the final to be easy because they've beaten them already recently. Um, now, I don't think that... I, d- I don't know how much of a of a, of a factor that would be in the final, um, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but equally, he also it also meant that he ended up playing this really weird, disjointed team that had Raheem Sterling and, and Ferran Torres as, as central midfielders. And you kind of go, well, there's not a lot to read into that because if they do that in the final, then somebody you know somebody's going to have to write a letter of apology somewhere. <laughs> um, so... I, I, I don't know. I, I do think there is a confidence from Chelsea to be gained from beating City twice recently. I do think City will also take confidence in the in, in the idea that uh, they haven't played their first eleven. And there is also, I mean, Tuchel's not an idiot. He's he's going to know how City are going to set up for this game, and he's going to know what what the first eleven are going to do. Um, but the one thing he hasn't got is the lived experience of having of having played against it. Um, and the one thing, like for instance, City City in that first tie with with PSG. Um, we all knew how good PSG's delivery was going to be from set pieces. We knew Di Maria could really whip the ball in from corners, for instance. Um, and yet that was how they scored because it was City hadn't experienced it and didn't know how to defend it. And it was it was a really, really tough opening kind of half hour or so. So that I think is Guardiola's main hope. You know, Chelsea haven't played the the all guns blazing City under Tuchel yet. Um, and I don't think the game with Lampard back in, in January or so has, has much impact on this final now. Everything's changed for both sides since then. Um, so I think it I think it'll be a really tense and interesting game because of that. And I'm expecting I'm expecting Chelsea will uh, they'll know what to expect from City. Um, and it's it, it's it's going to be a case of now, you know, who holds the nerve, I guess, more than anything else. Sort of touching on that theme, actually, but slightly different. Is it more significant that that Man City has sort of had a fairly relaxed last few weeks? And perhaps we'll be going into this game a lot fresher. Where and and perhaps looking at the fact that Chelsea lost three of the last four games, that that Chelsea are sort of showing signs of fatigue, of that sort of having to fight on all three fronts right to the very end. 
Um, I actually don't think it has any significance whatsoever um, because, I mean, let's flip it the other way around. If, if Chelsea win the final, then um, it's quite easy to say that City lost rhythm in the last few games because they had nothing to play for in those games. Uh, if City win the final, it's quite easy to say they did it because they had easy games and they had rest. So I uh, I think it actually, I think it probably does a disservice to whoever wins the game um, because whoever wins the game deserves to win it. And that's that, that that's it, really. Um, City's, City's run-in was fairly easy. They rotated the team a couple of times and kind of, they played a, a, a bizarre setup that included Scott Carson against Newcastle for no reason whatsoever. Uh, we can only see Medicine was still a bit uh, tipsy from the celebrations in the week before. Um, and then they played Brighton and actually they got quite a good run out against Brighton because they ended up with a man sent off after 20 minutes or so. So it's uh, it, it was quite a good exercise in fitness, even if they got the run around from, uh, from what is, uh, I, I genuinely think, one of the most unlucky sides in the Premier League that we've had uh, for, for a long time. Um, and then the, the final day of the season, Everton, Everton were very passive. Um, City looked good, but it was it, it was against a very passive Everton side. And then that was dominated by the Aguero narrative. So um, I don't really think there's a lot to read into it. I think I, I think for, for Chelsea fans who will worry about the, the recent form of having lost three or four, as you say... Um, Ultimately, it's a final, and um, you know, I, I know, I know Chelsea lost to Leicester in the in the FA Cup semi, in the FA Cup final. Um, sorry, but they, they, it is a one-off game, and teams raise the game for it. And City go into this one as favourites. Chelsea went into the FA Cup final as favourites, and you know, the favourites don't always win. That's that's kind of how it works. And I, I come back round to that point. It is probably just going to be you know who holds the nerve on the night, and and you know who doesn't let the occasion get to them because I think both of these sides are, are very very good sides. Do you get the sense that Aguero is someone that Pep would actually turn to in this game, even if he doesn't start necessarily? Because we've we've always got the impression that that Pep has never quite been as keen on Aguero as everyone (laughs) else seems to be. And then there was the whole strange situation where he doesn't bring him on until 65 minutes of his last game where he's chasing a Premier League record. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, do, do you do you think he he actually factors into Guardiola's plans for this game because he's had plenty of really good days against Chelsea in the past? Yeah. Um. I mean, if it was up to the fans, we'd all pick him. Uh. Because like it's it's like a natural reflex. If Aguero's available, you pick him. But I think um. I think a lot was made of of the relationship between Guardiola and, and Aguero. Back in 2016, when Guardiola arrived, there was a lot of talk that Aguero wasn't the right sort of player. He doesn't run enough. Uh, and Aguero kind of went, well, sod that. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And it was almost like this this really weird, passive-aggressive situation where you end up with with uh, two people who don't really like each other but getting the best out of each other because, because they want to prove the other one wrong sort of thing. Um, and so Aguero changed his game. He started doing a lot more running and... Uh, pressing and it all it all worked really well and then uh, this season his his big issue has been that knee injury um we saw it with um I'm, I'm going to make a comparison now that sounds really really unfair uh, but we saw it with Benjamin Mendy um Mendy looked good for the first three or four games that he arrived at City did his knee um came back did the did uh, a similar injury again and it just means that every time he plays, he might play really well, 
But he then, you know, in the coming days afterwards, the knee swells up and he, he and he has to take a, a, a couple of games off. And Aguero has has kind of famously needed three or four games to get back into his rhythm after after an injury. So the big problem has been this season that he hasn't been able to have that time. He hasn't been able to have a, a run of games because he might get two or three games on the bounce, but then the knee flares up again and he has to he has to sit two or three out. Um, so I think for that entire reason, I think he'll start uh, um, against Chelsea on the bench. And I think um, unless unless City are comfortable in the game, weirdly, I don't think he I don't think he comes on. I think there are players that are that, that City can turn to that are much more um, trusted to, to 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 change the game this season. And that's not a slight on what Aguero can do because when he's fit, he's the best striker that I've ever seen. Um, the problem is his fitness, and he, he just has had a season where you know one week after the next, it's been fine one week, not fine the next, fine one week, not fine the next, and it, it's just it's just killed him. And that's that's why he comes on against Everton and, and and plays really really well, and you know breaks the Premier League record, scores the two goals. But the truth was he wasn't fit enough to start the game, so it's it, it's kind of where we're at, and it's it's really sad to see. If given given the option, I'd. I'd you know, get another contract under his nose right now and, and get it signed for another season. But, you know, what do they always say? Always leave him wanting more. And uh, and that's kind of where we're at. I, 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 I would worry if he signed another season that it would be it'd be a season of uh, like this one, sat on the bench for the vast majority of it and City playing false nines left, right and centre. It's me again, David. Um, I just want to know... <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know, will the fans sort of um, be in love with this competition... Uh, if they win it, you know it's obviously been well documented the the booing of of the of the anthem etc. And, and secondly, how sort of it was an obsession for Abramovich and the Holy Grail of winning this Champions League. How, how much would it also mean to to Man City to take the owners particularly to to tick this off the bot? Is this the missing piece yeah, that they're craving? This I, th- I think this is why I'm nervous, you know, because um, I've seen City win Premier League titles, I've seen them win the League Cup, I've seen them win the FA Cup, um, but I've I've never even seen them in a European final, and I liken it to um, the nerves that I felt ahead of the FA Cup final in in 2011 when City won the first trophy in uh, 35 years, uh, because I'm I mean I'm 33 now, so I I wasn't even born when they were last in a in a major final. Uh, in eighty one, and so I, they got to that final. And I was, I, I was, I, I was thinking, well, they're going into it as favourites against Stoke, and I'm really, really nervous because I, I've never seen City trusted to to win on the occasion before, and I didn't think I felt like that about the Champions League, and yet here we are, you know, a, a couple of days before the game, and I am bricking it because I don't know what the, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Guardiola is going to play some stupid mind games and 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 you know play a, a ridiculous formation or match Chelsea up or or whatever. I don't know. And um, it, it occurred to me that I think I think City fans um, City fans are not in love with the Champions League. I think the problem is I think the problem for City fans generally is the group stage of the Champions League and not the knockout phase. Uh, the knockout phase is fantastic. You get some brilliant ties and you get some um, some excellent games of football that are really tense and really uh, you know you get through them. You deserve to get through them, sort of thing. Whereas uh, as you know, it's really hard to get up for the fifth season in a row of playing Shakhtar Donetsk and beating them four <laughs> nil. It's just like, like, what, what's the point of these games? And you kind of strip it back and go, well, what? Well, it's it's obviously a money making exercise for everybody. There's a reason why the Champions League is a group format first because it get it it guarantees more games for the for the teams to play. Um, 
But if it was a straight knockout from the start, I reckon City fans would be a lot more in love with it because there's jeopardy from the from from the from the beginning of it. Um, and I mean that isn't to say that Liverpool fans, Chelsea fans, United fans, whoever, don't also feel the same way about the group stage. Uh, I think City fans are a lot more. Um, I, I think they're they're a lot less accepting of uh, how it is because I think I think a lot of I think a lot of them and I'd say myself included to a point don't feel particularly. Um, enamored by the histories and traditions of of uh, the Champions League because it because we were never in it when it started and it, it was it was one of those things that we always saw other it was always for other people um and now here we are and uh, and in it so i i think i think winning it would would do a a great deal for it um but equally i don't think city fans are going to suddenly turn around and start loving uefa because what fans <laughs> do what fans what fans have a great relationship with the governing body of a sport it just doesn't happen <laughs> does it so uh, like i i don't think there's i i i think city fans will continue to feel unwelcome by uefa i think uefa will continue to i mean we saw it with the with the ticket prices and I, one thing i do want to say actually is uh, a, a a big well done to the chelsea fans for uh, not biting on UEFA's uh, tickets and, and sending them back because um, the, the ticket prices for this game in an era where we're in the in the kind of the the time that we're living in right now were frankly ridiculous and um, the fact that that UEFA had the cheek to say that football was for the fans a few weeks before that and then and then do this uh, I was I was I was utterly horrified by so uh, you know credit to the Chelsea fans for for um, for doing that because if, if nobody does it then they continue to charge those prices um, and that's that's kind of where we're at so it's it's a it's it's an interesting thing I think the owners are desperate to win it I think uh, it's the it's the one missing piece of the puzzle as you say um, I don't think that'll have too much of an impact on the game because I think. City and Guardiola, and I think Guardiola especially knows what he has to do from this game. Uh, whether it works or not is another matter, uh, because because Tuchel's no mug either. David, um, I would say enjoy the game on Saturday, but that would be disingenuous. So I'll just say thank yes, you. Yes, thanks I know, for joining us. Don't worry. <laughs> David Mooney, there. Let's hope he's a blue Mooney on Sunday morning. Uh, before we go. <laughs> Let's get some predictions. Uh, not a scoreline, though. Something more interesting than that, please. Simon, you've kind of stolen mine already. I was going to say Kepa chosen to come on for Mendy at the end of extra time for Pens, only for Mendy to refuse to leave the pitch. Thomas Tuchel to try and fail to throw his lanyard to the ground and then it all to kick off. But yeah, I think that's probably quite unlikely. Can you give us a prediction? Timo Werner to score, which in itself <laughs> is a story. But the offside flag to stay down... <laughs> I think I think that would definitely Penalty, be a then. glorious a glorious one. Yeah. So that'd that's be my quite, one. That's quite fantastical. Dom, have you got one? <laughs> I've got I I think given his association and everything the influence he had over the two previous European Cup finals in which Chelsea have featured with sending off in Moscow and uh an equaliser, a concession of a penalty and the winning spot kit in Munich, I've got Didier Drogba to run down from his seat high up in the stands at the Dragao and join in the post-match celebrations despite all breaking all kinds of COVID protocols in the process. <laughs> join in the post-match celebrations on the pitch as Chelsea win the European Cup and then and then to be filmed in the dressing room afterwards on a table cradling the trophy in his hands and saying how long why why have you eluded us for so long? <laughs> Lovely image. I, I thought I thought it was going to end with him being sort of carried off or something and him going it's a disgrace it's a disgrace, <laughs> it's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> then Ovrabo turning up and ruining it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
disallowing all Chelsea's goals. <laughs> uh, go on then, Liam, finish us off. I'm going to say Kai Havertz giving Chelsea an early lead. Yeah. <laughs> and then... And then Waking 18, up. And, well, no. And then, then a 94th minute Manchester City equaliser being ruled out by VAR coming to Chelsea's rescue for once. Gee, that would be nice. And then Kai Havertz running up to the press box and wrapping you in a big hug and thanking <laughs> you for all the support you've given him all season, which is which is what's got him through. Uh, so Liam's going to be in Porto. The Athletic is the place to be this weekend for all the very best Champions League final coverage and reaction. Remember to head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up now if you aren't currently a subscriber. And many thanks to David for joining us. Also to Dom, Simon and Liam and producer Lucy and to you, listener. We'll be back with our reaction pod on Monday. Until then, goodbye and good luck. The Athletic.